Hello and welcome to this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. And, you know, it, it's hard to believe that uh, we've had so many different topics and you keep thinking about how things kind of land into our lap. And Bubba, obviously, uh, today is going to be quite topical uh, with all the different things that are going on in our society uh, concerning law enforcement. Rick, uh, 2020 has been a difficult year. Uh, law enforcement, policing uh, has been a big topic, and we're very lucky to have with us with us Adam Davis, who has uh, wrote several books dealing with that topic and has been involved in that topic, and he's going to share some insight with us. Yeah, I mean, he's got notable stuff. He's been on Fox News. The Huffington Post has, has talked to him, and, of course, he's been on with uh, our Blaze TV brethren, uh, Glenn Beck. He's been on our show uh, and many others. And as you mentioned, he started out with you know the devotional behind the badge, and then we, we interviewed him about that, and we also talked to him about you know, what law enforcement, uh, the impact it can have on marriages. He's got uh, another book, Bulletproof Marriage. Uh, and the latest, uh, On Spiritual Co- uh, Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. And he joins us now. Adam Davis, welcome to Rick and Bubba University. Rick and Bubba, thank you so much for having me. This is what an honor to be a, uh, a distinguished lecturer in the great Rick and Bubba University. Boy, I tell you, and, and so so. Let's just kind of let's just open up. Uh, and you made bit. it sound really important. You really did. Yeah. I, um, you you have been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. Being a former yeah. police officer, uh, you're now an advocate uh, for those that are in law enforcement from a you know their spiritual health and their mental health and 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 what they go through. You understand the grind, and you've been talking about uh, for a long time uh, the stress uh, that is put on all who answer the call to be in law enforcement, but I don't know, not in my lifetime, okay, let's be clear, not in my lifetime, do I recall a time when law enforcement has been put into a position where they have been deemed to be evil and that not the answer to the problem, but they are the problem? Never before in my lifetime. I'll tell you one of the reasons why uh, I took the oath and swore in as a law enforcement officer was the men that I grew up as a child looking up to, uh, the men that I would see and, and the character of these men, their integrity, I, you know, and how they treated their families and their children. And I said, I want to be like that. And, uh, I, you know, of course, you go into law enforcement to help people, you go in to serve, but I wanted to be men, I want to be a man like that. And, you know, it wasn't, it was you know, matter of fact, I remember one of the, the men I looked up to, uh, SRO, school resource officer in our school, great, great man, great officer. And in today's society, uh, you have kids walking around with signs that say things we can't even say on the air, you know, and it's, it's horrible. So when, when you think about the, the impact that that has on law enforcement, I mean, you're, you're on the front yeah. lines of this, you're, you're dealing with them. What, what are you seeing in, in the lives of officers when, when they do realize, wait a minute, that sign is not in support of what we do. Because uh, yeah. I do know this, doing what we do for a living, and it's just human nature is the reason why I'm asking this. Certainly there's voices of people that are still supporting law enforcement. Right. But human nature, you, you, when people try to encourage you, I can download my email today. And I consider myself to have pretty thick skin. But I can download my email today and just say, let's just use the number 100. And I get 100 emails. And 95 of them are encouraging me, are, are trying to build me up, trying to help me. They're appreciative. But then there's five that say that I'm the scourge of the earth, I am evil, uh, and they, w- they want bad things to happen to me, and they think that uh, I'm a-, a scar on society, not an asset to society. Guess which five emails stay with me the whole day? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I like to think about it like this. 
uh, I grew up in church, uh, and and not always were, were were the people holding the microphone singing the the greatest talent in the church. Okay, but who has the microphone is that's who everybody has to listen to, and eventually, if that person is the one singing all the time, the crowd's going to start getting a little thinner. Uh, it just that's just the way it is. And right now, we've given the microphone to the people who hate cops. Hate for, hatred for cops has existed for a long, long time because criminals hate cops. Uh, but there's even times when criminals show respect to cops. What you see right now is uh, is the microphone, the bullhorn has been given to the people who hate cops because you know it sells. That sells and that drives and it's it's reality and it's a it's political warfare and it gets a lot of attention. Uh, but it does wear on men and women who serve in law enforcement because they are human beings. Uh, the same men and women who are dealing with this have to deal with trauma uh, that is often unaddressed because we have a culture that says, you know, suck it up and move on instead of let's address these things before they become something really serious in your life. And so we, what we have to do is understand we're not here uh, to serve to make everybody happy. We're here to uphold the law, to protect life and limb. Uh, to serve those who are oppressed uh, in, in different areas of our in, our, in our, in our nation. And so what I have to remember when I'm talking to them is that <clears throat> they get weary. And, and that's the common message I've heard is they're weary spiritually, mentally, emotionally, they're, they're weary, but encouraging them and giving them something that strengthens them beyond the physical body is, is important. You don't want a community where you don't have cops that are there serving. And you want to you want cops that are equipped with the love of Jesus to go into your communities of the darkest places of our nation to serve with love and, and to bring that redemption and that hope uh, that people need who are in broken situations. So they're weary uh, and we have to be willing to be louder than the hate that is being broadcast across the country against law enforcement. Adam, I think we definitely can talk about policing and, and we want some insight on that. But yeah. do you think some of this going on now, uh, certainly there's a disrespect for police, but there's a general disrespect for authority. Uh, yeah. There's disrespect for parents. There's a disrespect for school teachers. There's a general societal uh, issue on respect and authority right now, and I think maybe yeah. the police are just caught up in it. What do you think? I think, I think one of the reasons why is because we have made self the idol of America. Uh, self is the greatest idol in our nation. And so when self is greater than the one true living God, then there is no other authority greater than our own rights and my own desires and what I desire. And so the individual American has become the idol. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to respect the authority of the home. And that's where it began. We don't, you know, we don't want to respect the authority with the home. We don't want to respect the authority of the teacher or the policeman or the principal, you know, or anybody else, much less elected officials. And so what you have is people who have established themselves as idols, and that's the way they see themselves, whether they say it or not. Um, and, you know, when you have that mindset and there needs to be a great awakening, the sleeping slumber of the giant uh, called the body of Christ of the United States has to awaken. And uh, we have to get back to a place where we're willing to carry the cross every day and die to, die to our own desires and ourselves every day instead of putting our desires before him. And that's the problem. Uh, there, is a, there is a general a rejection of authority in the country. And, it, and it's not just with cops. You go back to elementary school, go back to middle school, we had hall monitors. Uh, man, they got bullied most, most of the time because, you know, why? Because people want to go do what they want to do. 
They want to have their own way with no responsibility, no accountability. Same thing today. What you see is people who are given a, a microphone to people who are rebellious and who don't want to abide by the law. They don't want to take any responsibility, person accountability. So uh, we have to get back to a place where that becomes good, you know, where we say it is a good thing to abide by the law and respect authority. Uh, but then again, we have to have people in authority that are worth respecting. We talk about that in bulletproof marriage. Men, if you want your women to respect you, give her a man worth respecting. Adam, let's move to policing. Yeah. Um, we have seen, and, and I think, you know, I know Rick agrees. Most of the people we know who are in law enforcement, you know, yeah. 95% of them are outstanding people. Uh, there is a problem with some who are not. And oh, yeah. unfortunately, police officers are the front line of the government where they meet the civilian, where they are authorized to use deadly force. And yeah. it's one of those situations where you need to bat a thousand and you can't always do that. And the no. ones that get in the system who are not the top and the best uh, are going to be the ones that make the headlines. How, wh- where are you on that and how can we make policing better? This isn't something that started this year. This is not an issue that was born this year. This is an issue that has been going on probably for a decade or a few decades, really. Uh, if I if I had to go back and look at it, because what you've had is you've had a lot more seasoned officers that have retired or resigned or left law enforcement. And you have, you know, in some places, uh, a squad of patrol officers for a particular shift uh, they're, you know, most of them have less than two years on the job. You have young officers patrolling the streets. You have uh, more seasoned officers that are, uh, that are supervisors, of course, up the chain. Uh, one of the greatest challenges we have is, like last year, 65% uh, decrease in applications for law enforcement. It is still an honorable and noble profession, but uh, I think it was Chris Rock who said, and I don't often quote, quote comedian but he said you know (laughs) airline pilots can't have a bad day and that be the excuse for why airplanes crash into a mountain uh police officers have to bat a thousand it's a zero defect profession there there is no excuse you have to bait you have to be perfect remember the movie friday night live from billy bob thornton said can you be perfect that is the mindset of policing and it has to be perfect that comes with maturity that comes with training and you certainly cannot maintain the training and experience when you're talking less defund police, because what that means is let's cut budgets. And when you cut budgets, something's going to be affected. Most of the time, it's going to be training. And so if you want to uh, uh, promote a 1,000 batting average, uh, if you want to promote a perfect police officer, then you need to give them the tools and you need to establish a recruiting strategy that recruits men and women who are going to come there and do the job and stay. And that means giving them a livelihood that they can sustain without having to burn themselves out working 60 hours a week to take care of a family. So there's a lot of different elements, uh, but being perfect is certainly a demand and that weighs heavy on you over time as well. We'll continue to talk about this topic uh, and, and we'll delve into uh, one of the topics that's very, very prominent right now. And that's the racial uh, makeup of law enforcement and uh, the narrative that somehow most law enforcement uh, seem to have a bias against uh, black people uh, versus other ethnicities. And we'll continue that uh, when Rick and Bubba, the universe, Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues.
First, I, I want to talk about internet freedom, though. I mean, social media companies get to decide what content is suitable for the you know sensitive snowflakes that may be out there among us, and they censor whatever they don't like. But really, shouldn't you and I be the ones to decide what we want to read or watch, not them? Well, there, there's one thing that you can control, their access to your data, and for that, we love ExpressVPN. Uh, the problem with big tech companies is that they not only – censor what you read. I mean, we just had a whole hearing about this yesterday, uh, but they track what you do online. Uh, they track what you're searching for, the videos you watch, and everything that you click. Then they use your data to serve you ads, and they can match your activity to your offline identity using your device's unique IP address. Now, when we use ExpressVPN, these tech companies cannot see your IP address at all. Our, our identity is masked, and and we're anonymous by a secure VPN server. Plus, ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your data to protect you from hackers and the bad guys on the Internet. Now, does that sound complicated? Well, it really isn't. Look, if I say that, you know it's not. Uh, ExpressVPN software takes about a minute to set up on your computer or your phone. You tap one button, and you're protected. So why don't you protect your privacy now and go to ExpressVPN.com dot com slash Rick Bubba. They will not sell off your information. ExpressVPN dot Rick Bubba. That gets you an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. And we all love the sound of that. Protect your data today. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Rick Bubba. We are talking with Adam Davis on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, former police officer who now works to help with law enforcement, with uh, with spiritual health and and, and try to, you know, get the our relationship with law enforcement and all the things that go on. So we had talked about, and Bubba had asked you about the, the training. You made that clear. If you want better trained officers, you certainly don't defund it because then there'll be less training. Uh, and we talked about that. Look, we, we just have to say out loud, defunding police and abolishing law enforcement that idea is a bad idea. It's insanity, Rick. It's insanity. <laughs> but, That's but, all. It's the sing, single dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life. Yes. Yeah, so then I never thought I'd hear that. So let's make law enforcement, as you've been doing, Adam. Let's make sure that we give the best product to the community that needs to be protected and served. So there is a a narrative right now that says the problem with law enforcement is that they target uh, mainly uh, African American males at a higher rate than they do any other ethnicity, and there's a racial bias in law enforcement. And and uh, certainly we know wherever you have human beings, you have fallen human beings. And I'm not going to yeah. sit here and pretend, nor I'm, I don't think you will, that racism is dead and there's no one that's that's in a position of authority that might be a bad seed. But do you yeah. see? have you seen this in your line of work across the board? Do you see racism being something that's prominent in law enforcement? No, uh, racism exists. We're not going to pretend that it doesn't. Sure. We're going to, you know, we're not, we're not going to go there. But uh, it does exist, and it's an issue. Uh, but so is abortion, and so is child abuse, and, and a lot of other sins. Because that's what racism is. It is a sin. It's not just a social issue. Uh, it's a sin. And so, but in law enforcement, no, I've I've not seen where one race was targeted per se. Uh, targeted over another. I've not seen that. What I have seen was we go after people who are breaking the law. And, you know, if you're breaking the law on a traffic violation or some other criminal violation, 
then that is who we are after. We are here to enforce the law. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter what position you hold in society. That's the way it should be. And it doesn't matter the color of your skin. If you break the law, then you need to pay the price. And, uh, you know, there, there are certain things that, that I believe that we need to, we need to address. And, you know, some things that could be uh, addressed better on the, after the arrest or after the, after the enforcement of the law, meaning, uh, does rehab, does rehabilitation work? Is that effective? Are there things that we could do aside from sending people to prison for certain, certain crimes? And, and I don't know that I, I've not committed time to study in that. My, my focus is making sure that police officers, law enforcement officers across the board are fed spiritually and that they're equipped spiritually. We have a lot of focus on physical wellness that we train all the time. We train a body that's going to decay and die eventually. We need to take care of the soul that's going to live eternally or die eternally. And so we have to take care of that. Well, I mean, Adam, really, you know, a police officer, uh, I mean, they're not there to determine policy. They're there to carry it out. No. And that's that's, that's left right. to, to other mm-hmm. folks. But how, yeah. and, and I think we saw this in the George Floyd case where you had officers who thought something was going wrong, but they would not say something to a older or more experienced officer because that was just not accepted behavior. Is yeah. that is that part of the code of police officers that, you know, and some people would say respect. Well, respect would end where a crime begins. And, and what can you do or what can be changed in that culture so that they do speak up and say, hey, you don't yeah. need to have your neck on his shoulder or whatever. Talk to a little bit about the culture inside behind the blue line. Yeah, take take us to, yeah. to George Floyd and, and on Bubba's point. What what when you saw that, what what are we seeing here? It's so obvious to all of us that this is not the way things should be done. But but what happened, what went wrong, and why do you think the, that we experienced what we experienced? I'm I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm just a guy who, who used to be a cop. And so when I look into his eyes, you know, there, I see, uh, I see some anger and I see possibly some, some traumatic issues that hadn't been addressed. But the reason that those men didn't speak out, in my opinion, uh, is the same reason why a lot of officers don't speak out about issues that they're dealing with silently. Uh, which leads to, like last year, 228 cops killed themselves last year. That's nearly six times the number of cops that were shot and killed in the line of duty. And we don't hear a lot about that. And it's fear. They don't speak out because of fear. There's, there's gonna be, you're going to be ostracized. You're going to be labeled as a snitch. There's a thin blue wall of silence that, that a lot of great uh, police leaders uh, today are trying to eliminate. They're working to eliminate. We no longer turn a blind eye to uh, corruption or police misconduct because of fear, but we're going to hold each other accountable. You know, at the the end of the day, the only way we address all of these major key issues in law enforcement is that we get our hearts right. And the only way that we can address the heart issues is relationship with Jesus. There's no other way. And so when we, when we look at the reasons why those men didn't speak up uh, it's fear. They don't want to be ostracized. They've got cameras in their face, just like he's got cameras in, in his face. And whether that's right or wrong, uh, it's certainly wrong. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was out of respect for him. Uh, it was, I think, fear and shock. I, I mean, shock plays into this. Again, we're dealing with human beings. Uh, there's a lot going on there. But for nine minutes, 
uh, I have to question why somebody didn't step in in nine minutes and not just say, hey, take your knee off his neck. You jump in and you do a little bit of a tackle on him and, and, and move him off. And we have to hold each other accountable. In law enforcement, we have to hold each other accountable. That's one of the things I was trained to do. If you see somebody violating policy or doing something that's against the law or against the policy that we've been given, you have to intercede. You have to jump in there and stop it or you're going to be held accountable. And so that's why you see those men that were uh, were also charged. Yeah, we had a clip um, of the officer, and I don't remember where it was. It was just it was literally about a week after this where he had yeah. somebody down. And I know you saw it, too, because it made a lot of the news. And another officer come up and said, hey, you got your knee on his neck. And he kept it there, and the other officer knocked it off. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, I remember that. It has to be. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And, uh, you know, and there's, there's different techniques, but uh, we were banned from – from doing certain techniques when I was trained you right. know, a decade ago, you, you were trained not to do certain things and uh, you know, because it can lead to death. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why it caught my attention. And, and, and I, I mean, quite frankly, it made me very angry when I saw it because I know this is not what you're supposed to be trained to do. However, not all policies and all departments and all parts of the country are the same. They may be similar, but they're not all the same. Verbatim. So you'll hear some of that coming up in the future, where they're saying, "Well, right. we need, you know, uniform policies across the board." What about the union? Because I know that when when do we think that we have established a culture inside law enforcement that the unions maybe are overstepping and are maybe protecting bad cops too much? You know, I don't, I don't. What they do in, in, in some cases, and I can't speak for all, but I know my experiences is, is um, indirectly is that they will uh, provide legal services. You you know, as part of being a part of uh, one organization or another, you're going right. to have rights to legal representation if you're arrested, whether you're uh, whether or you're fired or terminated or suspended or whatever the case, uh, uh, discipline for your employment. Um, they'll provide you with legal representation. So that's not directly. That's just a benefit of having. Uh, that membership or that relationship with an organization. I think the true benefit for, for those guys is when they're the ones dealing with the politicians, uh, the, the leadership of the government, city, county, state, whatever the situation is, and they're going to bat on behalf for different pieces of legislation or financial compensation, raises, benefits, things of that nature. When it comes to them directly representing and, and coming to defense, they really speak up when there's an injustice against the law enforcement officer, which in today's society we definitely need, yeah. because if we don't have that, who's going to speak up for them? Yeah. Uh, because right now you don't hear anybody speaking up for cops, and we have to have people do that. And, Adam, we appreciate you answering these tough questions. I mean, these these are the things that people talk about in the coffee shops. You know, it's not, That's the, right. That's it's right. not the normal uh, PTA uh, or – you know, uh, the civic club ring the bell and let's talk about this out in the open. These are the tough subjects yeah. that I think we yeah. have to talk about to get better. We need to, but yeah, you, need you, to. you had talked about, uh, and, and I think this is what we're getting at. The, uh, I, you know, I unions have their place and I'm not anti-union right. at all, yeah. but I think there's cases where the union protects bad people. Uh, I yeah. know it happens in education. Uh, I think it's also happening in the police departments where I think the unions would serve themselves when they know that they've got a bad apple to get him out of there. 
because it's only going to hurt the whole. I mean, they, I know it's easy to look at. He's a member, so we have to give him support. I got that. But when you have somebody who is going to, like George Floyd, let's say, uh, in that case, yeah. the the what was the officer's name? Chauvin. Chauvin. Derek Chauvin. Derek, if, Derek if, Chauvin. If he had a history of some issues, maybe if he had been gone from the force, we'd have never known the name George Floyd. And if that That's had right. happened in other places. So how do you – and you were talking about the pressure – who is applying this pressure so that officers won't say something to another officer? Uh, how, how do we how do we change that part of the culture? That's part that's part of the what they call the, the subculture of law enforcement, you know. Uh, and I'll I'll tell you uh, an example of it. It's better to give you an example than to talk about it directly. But um, after a a, a week long hostage standoff we had, where I was one of the secondary negotiators and on the scene. Uh, they brought us in. They said, let's do a debriefing, threw us into a room with a supervisor and a shrink. And they said, tell us how you're feeling about everything. Guess what? Everybody in the room is going to say, I feel great. Yeah. I have no problem. Because right. the next thing that follows that is light duty. You're sent home. You don't, you got a reduced paycheck or whatever. And now all the guys that you work with are going to say, well, this guy's weak. He couldn't handle a week on hostage situation without having a mental breakdown, you know, or, or being affected by the trauma. Right. Because it's, it's you, you have to prove yourself every day, every day, every time you put on that uniform, you have to prove yourself. And the day you become complacent is the day you start dying. You set yourself up to be killed or you set somebody else up to be killed or you set yourself up to be in a situation like this guy was in Minneapolis where he killed George Floyd. And so we have to get to a place to where we are willing to address the subculture. And there's going to be some hard noses to hit here. Because there's a lot of people that don't want this change. But if we are going to see, number one, a change in the subculture where we're not afraid to speak out against corruption uh, because we're not afraid of going home and our, our houses being burned or, or things being gone wrong because there's some deep roots in certain places, uh, you don't want to see that happen. Uh, but we also want these guys to get help when they're dealing with true trauma, when mm-hmm. they're dealing with post-traumatic stress of any kind, when they've dealt with the death of, of somebody that they saw or, or different situations. It's, it's multifaceted. It's not just the corruption. It's the men and women that are taking their own lives or they're drinking themselves to death or they're stealing drugs to, to cope or whatever they're doing. It's wrong, but we need to get them help. That's our job. We have to get them help. Talking to Adam Davis, uh, you can find out everything about Adam and the, the speaking he does and the books that he offers at theadamdavis.com. We continue with Adam Davis on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So, Adam, you know, when, when you talk about some of the things you mentioned, you said that, um, you know, civilians need to continue to speak up because no one in law enforcement wants there to be officers out there that have the issues that you talked about, you know, men right. or women that are out there. So uh, civilians do need to, to speak up. No one is saying that, and you're saying because law enforcement, just like the community, do not want people in this position that shouldn't be there. No, absolutely. No, we don't want, I don't want to serve. I, I wouldn't want to serve beside somebody that's corrupt or uh, somebody that couldn't do the job. I look at it this way. If you can't get in a foot pursuit and stay with me and have my back, if we're in a, in a, if we're in a foot pursuit and then subsequently a fight, then I don't want you on the job. If you don't have integrity and character, if you don't have the, the heart to, to stand there and do the right thing, do the right thing. That's it. Sometimes it's hard to do. Uh, because of the pressure, but that's what we have to address, and that's what we have to change. We have to be willing to change that, and 
And uh, for me, that my, my mission has been to affect the heart. And to do that, you have to get the word of God in there and encourage them to have a stronger appetite for the things of God. And, and so having that, there's a lot of people that come at it from a clinical side and a, yep. and a therapist mm-hmm. side and a doctor side. I go for it for the heart. Well, I want to ask you about that. And I know that's your wheelhouse. So you probably are thankful this is, we're going there now. But I want, I, I want it. Well, I wanted to address that because you're right. You know, we, Bubba and I both have, you know, we're, we're we do have the the superpower of common sense here at Rick and Bubba University, and everything yeah. that that we see, you know, are, it, I had a, a Bible teacher one time that uh, my wife uh, is in her uh, class, and she said that this teacher said, which is true, all issues are biblical issues. They all are, and they're all spiritual. So. I, and I, I want you to speak to the spiritual health of law enforcement that at least you have access to, because I've talked with a with an acquaintance that, that has just got finished serving in the military, and frankly, no. I was very disheartened at what he said about the spiritual health of the majority of the people serving in our military. And he said Christianity is practically gone. He said mm-hmm. that, that that he served in the Marines and in the area he served. He said, I probably interacted with a thousand different Marines, uh, and that was his sample. And he said, from what I could gather, I was the only devout follower of Christ out of that 1,000. And, uh, and, and it, he said that the, a lot of the people that are serving in, military are, in the military are spiritually dead and are, they've adopted some kind of pagan warrior kind of thing. Uh, and, and when I think yeah. about law enforcement, and he had a name for it, but it's this warrior religion that they've come up with where it's great honor to go out there and, you know, uh, die in a, in a blaze of bullets, you know, for, for, for your country or, in this case, for your community. And, and I, so we certainly want people to be selfless, but we'd rather that yeah. selfless attitude not be, I want to be some rowdy warrior and be godless, yeah. but to have the Jesus version of no greater love right. has he who lays right. down his life for his brother. Amen. What yeah. what what do you see? Let's talk about that. Yeah. What what if you right now were taking the temperature of the spiritual health of law enforcement? I mean, is is it healthy? I can tell you that there is a great hunger uh, within law enforcement between the the officers, their spouses, their families, the people who support them directly, where it's family, friends. Uh, you know, whatever the relationship is, there's a great hunger for men and women uh, who serve for the things of God. Uh, as a whole, um, I think that we are uh, very, uh, we're very sick. And that means we are, uh, well, look, 70.6% of Americans said they're Christians in a 2018 Pew Research study. 70.6%, 200 something million Americans said we're Christians. But we also know in the same sense that a, that a study around that time said that about 55% said they prayed every day. And if only half pray every day, how many are studying the Bible every day? How many are in the Word every day? And then if those are, I mean, how many, are, what are we doing? Are we, are we disciplined? We don't have the self-discipline. We have idolized our problems and our troubles and our pressures and everything that's going on around us, our busyness. And we've taken him off the throne of our hearts and we put all these other things there. So the temperature, you know, there's a hunger. And I, I can tell you just based on the, the calls and the emails and the messages that I get and the people that are getting still two years later getting behind the badge, uh, there is a hunger. And churches are buying these and giving them away to officers. But we have to do what more can we do? 
I'm trying to find ways to, to disciple them just beyond a daily devotion to disciple them. So I'm trying to reach other organizations that can do this and reach out to pastors and get them to help. And so finding ways to reach one more for the kingdom, uh, because there is a hunger. We're cold. We're cold, but we're hungry. And uh, that's what that's that's what I can sense just in the conversations I'm having. Uh, some are very hard hearted, but that's who I really sat down and wrote this book for. Uh, was a sergeant who looked at me one day after I experienced my my encounter with Jesus. He sort of changed my life, not sort of. He radically changed my life. And the dude said, "You would be better off to just go and, and kill yourself." Well, you know, we'd all be better off just go kill yourself. And you know, you hear people say stuff like that. And uh, so I sat down and wrote this. I said, if I can reach the hardest of hearts, I can reach any of them. And uh, but they're cold. They're hungry. Some are cold hearted, but there's a hunger there. And we have to find a way to feed that hunger and show them. Rick, Bubba, listen, I have guys call me and say, how do I pray? I want to pray. How do I pray? That, you know, I take it for granted that we know the basics, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the fundamentals. Yeah. How do I study the Bible? How do I how do I study the Bible? I want to, but I just don't know where to begin. It's overwhelming. And so guiding them through that process, I think, is critical, putting them on sort of a triage of spiritual life support and bringing them back in. You know, that's really the answer for all of us, mm. uh, society, the police officers, the black community. Uh, you know, uh, we, we've done so much to remove God out of our society, uh, and then look yeah. what we've got left. I guess we thought we were better and smarter than all the societies who've tried that in the past. But amazingly, <laughs> history has repeated itself. Well, let me, Adam, let me ask you a very practical question as we kind of get to the end yeah. of this. Uh, what can we do as citizens for law enforcement? How can we help them to meet the challenges that they are facing now? And it's, it's ever more uh, difficult, and the call, as you said, to be professional has uh, never been at a higher level. How can we as yeah. just ranking-file citizens help out our law enforcement officers. You know, practically from a, from a, a believer standpoint, uh, pray for them every day, pray for them. And then your church, you know, your church could adopt a cop every day. You know, everybody in the church pray for a police officer in your city. You find somebody and pray for them. And then if, if you have an encounter with them, if they stop you because you broke the law of speeding or uh, just be polite, be respectful. Uh, if there's something that goes wrong during that encounter, you can address it through proper procedures afterwards. Let your police department know you love them and support them. That needs to be coming from the church right now louder than anybody else in the world. They should not hear we love you from a media outlet more than they hear it from people who serve Jesus. They need to be hearing it from the body of Christ right now louder than ever before. So as the church, we need to be letting them know you love, we love you, we respect you, we have your back, we're praying for you, here's what we can do. You know what? Hey, send them a meal. Buy them a meal. If you're in a restaurant, buy them a meal. Mm. Yeah, and you don't have to let them know you're doing it. Just buy them a meal and, and look for these needs that are there. Contact your local sheriff or your police chief and say, hey, do you have any officers that have a need? What can we do to help? What can we do to be there? Do you have a need as a department? What can we do as a community to step out and, and, and help this? And then coming together and making these things happen on a very practical level. But listen, don't uh, don't. Uh, forget or, or don't devalue the power uh, of prayer. The power of prayer can do some things that, you know, it, it'll change the world. It can move mountains. And right now the greatest giant that's in our way is the division that exists within our country that's caused by different, by different issues, but pray and then be respectful. Uh, and just, if you see them in passing, if you're in a restaurant, if you're walking to Walmart, you pass them in a store, 
let them know you love them and you thank them and you appreciate the service and that not everybody hates them uh, because we know most Americans love them and appreciate them. Adam Davis is with us on uh, this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Adam, let's talk a little bit as we wrap up in our final segment here about your new book. You, you, of course, you did the Behind the Badge. That's a 365 daily devotional for people in law enforcement, a great gift if you'd like yeah. to help someone and be something good to have, like you said, for the church to hand them out. Then, uh, and then we talked to you about bulletproof marriage and the you know, obvious impact that, that being in law enforcement, whether it's the wife or the husband, uh, the other spouse really pays a it, – it's a difficult road. Yeah. Uh, to be married to yeah. someone in law enforcement, oh, yeah. and uh, and that book is valuable as well. But the new one on spiritual combat, uh, tell us a little bit about this book. It is it is spiritual warfare one hundred and one. We're going to walk you through uh, equipping yourself. That's that's if you could sum it up in two words, which would be really really difficult to do. Is equip yourself. It's time that we awaken, and that has been the prayer that I, I share and and Colonel Grossman shares is we're praying for the slumbering saint to awaken. And it's time to, and, and some people can't serve. Some people literally can't serve. You can't put on a uniform or you, or you can't be an advocate or you can't do this, but you can pray. We can all pray. How do we do that? How do we address it? What are we going to do? And so we walk you through equipping yourself with the armor of God as we read through Ephesians. How do we do that? What are we going to do? What are our next steps? And then we'll walk you through praying. And then we walk you through uh, some of the different disciplines that are needed. You know, our, our, our military men and women, our first responders are extremely disciplined in a lot of things, in their skills and their physical fitness and their training. Uh, but as Christians, I think we've become sloppy. We've become complacent. And we've, you know, we've used different uh, belie- uh, beliefs or disagreements to get away from a daily discipline of studying the word, praying and reaching others for the kingdom. And now we see some of the consequences of that, uh, of that lack of discipline. So that's what on spiritual combat does. What we did was we took Colonel Grossman's book on combat, which has sold over 500,000 copies, uh, required reading a, Uni- a United States Marine Corps commandant's required reading list, DA Academy, U S Marshall Academy. Uh, we took the physiology and psychology of deadly encounters. Um, and we turned it into spiritual warfare, co- a book based on those principles, which is one of the hardest things I've ever done. I'll just go ahead and tell you, mm-hmm. taking the psychology and physiology of killing and turning it into a spiritual warfare <laughs> oh, man. Is, is a difficult is a difficult topic. But if you look at people from, you know, look at David. David was was a man after God's own heart. God said he was a man after God's own heart. And uh, but he was a great warrior. He failed. He, he made some horrible mistakes. He sinned greatly, but he still got up and went after God. That's what we have to do is this is developing spiritual resiliency in men and women who say, man, I pray and nothing happens or. I do the right thing, and I look at over here to the wicked and the evil people, and they're prospering. They're just doing so well. What are we going to do? So this just walks you through some uh, through some basics and, and opens your eyes to, hey, where are all these things in the reality? Where are they coming from? Where are they stemming from? It comes from a – and it's not wonky. You know, we're not getting off into some weird theology here, some weird teaching. This is straight from the Word. And we include some beautiful old hymns. I don't have it in front of me. I'd give you one, but there's some beautiful old hymns that, that I think have been forgotten and I think they need to be brought out right now more than ever. Well, you can get these at the Adam Davis, theadamdavis.com, and all three books are there, including the new one. And, and I think you hit on it. The, the thing I see with spiritual warfare, and Bubba and I have talked about this on the show before, yeah. is that it's real, but it's almost like nobody, it, it, nobody wants to talk about it. But here's the problem with not wanting to talk about it. Spiritual warfare is going to happen whether you're prepared for it or not because it is That's real. Right. And I think, sadly... 
when the church doesn't want to talk about it, we then take a congregation and then we usher them out into a battle that we haven't prepared them to fight. Yeah, absolutely. No armor, no weapons, ignorant, don't have a, don't have a clue about the plan. What's ahead. Uh, I'll tell you this, and, and, and I'll try to keep this really short. Uh, when I wrote this book, uh, when we were going through the process of writing this book, I felt, and, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uh, very conservative in my beliefs. I know Jesus is real. God loves me. But when it comes to angels and demons and seeing things, I, you know, I, I don't I don't go there. But I felt just really heavy and oppressed. Yeah. And uh, it was a, a, an odd, foggy uh, mindset. And I was just like, man, what is going on? And I thought it was maybe, you know, I, I was worried or stuff was going on, cluttered mind. And so I'd start worshiping and I'd start praying. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few minutes later, things are totally different. And uh, my kids would just randomly get sick and start vomiting or a tire would blow out and then everything would break. We'd have to replace every appliance in the house. And so you're totally distracted. So, yeah, it's very real. Uh, but sometimes we're called to be still, uh, not because we're immature, not because our gifts are, are not ready, not because he's not ready for us to move, but, but because he's protecting us. And sometimes he's, he's being our cover. He is the rock. He is our great deliverer. He is our mighty fortress. And sometimes when he says to be still, it's to protect us. And so learning to see the things that he's speaking to us through his word, his word still speaks, it still lives. And, it, and it's not dead. It's not just a, a history book. It'll change everything about your life if you'll take it and apply it. And that's all it's on spiritual combat does, is it sort of opens your eyes to the word that he's given us uh, to the, through the scripture on how to prepare us for battle and that everything going on around us is a battle. And you can be a battle for good or a battle for evil. And, uh, and it, a warrior for good, a warrior for evil, what are you going to do? And so one day we'll answer. We'll be, we'll be uh, held accountable for how we responded to battle uh, when we stand before the great shepherd uh, in eternity before we receive our reward. And uh, I hope that I will see you there. I don't know if we'll know each other, but I hope that you will take up your cross. I hope that you'll take up the army armor and that you will join the fight in prayer and spiritual warfare because right now we need brothers and sisters to come alongside of us and go to war for the kingdom. Yeah. When you, when you look at things, sometimes it just seems so obvious. Bubba and I've talked a lot about Romans 13 and what it has to say about the job, the, the job that law enforcement has been instituted by God to do. And boy, it would be just like the adversary to say, yeah, the world has fallen uh, and God has placed and instituted these people to keep law and order and to punish those who uh, cannot behave. So wouldn't it be wonderful for me to come up with a system that they would remove that law enforcement that God instituted completely so I could then have my way on a society that is filled with nothing but chaos and mm. no no solution <laughs> to stop it? Absolutely. Uh, that, he's that, not going to stop with cops. No, he's not. And and uh, you know the the situations we have with those that shouldn't be in law enforcement is spiritual, and the things that we face uh, that that law enforcement has to be called to, uh, those things are spiritual, and we need to all get on the same page and uh, try to solve the problems that we have without destroying the very fabric of what God designed to keep law and order. So, uh, and, hey, yeah, and we need men to stand up in the home. We need men no to stand up in the home and take take the authority and start praying with their wives, start praying with their children, and stop being so lackadaisical about it. And I know I just hacked that word up, but stop being so lazy. <laughs> no, about you, it got it. you got it. 
you can't be on with Rick so, and Bubba and hack any word up. <laughs> yeah. No, Adam, you're so right. We, we, if you that's, look, if, that's so important. If, yeah, a lot of the problems that you, that you guys keep being called to, at the heart of those problems, we find fatherlessness. And fatherlessness right. is the greatest insult uh, that any person could be given. Oh, and uh, as, the, as the fathers go, so goes society. And Satan has known that for a long time, and it's time for the church to go on offense and quit just letting yep. him have that. So, Adam, thanks for the work you're doing. Uh, continue you. to do it. Uh, the AdamDavis.com is the website for all the uh, different resources that we talked about. And thank you, Adam, for being with us on this edition oh, yeah. of Rick and Bubba University.